cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast. The show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we like to kick cancer in the butt with stories of healing through hope and humor. It is so awesome that you are here. Now, let me introduce you to the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks, Deb. Appreciate you sharing that good news with us here today. And welcome to all the good people who are connecting up with us here at Cancer and Comedy. This is the podcast where we are looking to turn the grim of cancer and other serious diseases into the grin of celebrating life. Deb, you celebrate life just about every day, don't you? I do. I do. You know, I'm a stage four breast cancer warrior, and I'm trying to not die every single day, right? And a big part of that is having what some would say is a warped sense of humor. But Deb, generally, you know, <laughs> when people hear the word cancer or disease, there's not a whole lot funny about it, most air of doom and gloom to it. Yet you have found moments in your life to make you smile and even laugh, and as you say, have a warped sense of humor. So what's making you smile? What's making you laugh recently in this journey that you're on? I think we really do have to laugh. Um, at ourselves, at the situation, all of those things to get through this. And it started way back when I was first diagnosed. I was told that I had artifacts, not a lump, a bump, or whatever, but artifacts. So, of course. Sounds like an archaeological dig almost, my goodness. I know, I know. And so we (laughs) named my cancer Artie. And so we're going to be Artie. I mean, it's just, it is, it's funny, right? You know, you don't have cancer, you have Artie. It just kind of makes it a little bit, something more that is easy to deal with and maybe not quite so scary. It gives us a slight bit of identity, I guess, in a way. Right. But it is something that, you know, really is, you know, like I said, you got to poke fun with it. So speaking of that, Brad, why are you doing this cancer and comedy pod? Glad you asked, Deb. I had a weird occurrence that I didn't think was going to happen to me. Just about a year ago, I retired and I told myself, okay, my wife and I are going to travel. We're going to see the world. We're going to go We've got uh, kids on the West Coast of the United States. We live in Indiana. We're going to do lots of stuff together and plan a, a great life together. And then just a month after I retired, I got flagged for prostate cancer. And that led eventually to having surgery and went through all the rigmarole of the testing and the surgery and the recovery and all that kind of thing. And you know what? It just struck me as completely absurd that this was going to happen to me. Had some moments of some depression and grief. I also had a moments of like, this is so ridiculous. You're just going to have to, 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 to laugh at it because what are you going to do? You either laugh or you cry. And so that's where it came about, where out of the absurdity of the moment and thinking about, okay, how can I approach this with a little better attitude than I had originally? What's going to make me laugh? What's going to make other people laugh? What's going to be something that uh, can be hopeful and helpful to other people. And one of those great things is humor. 
Right, right. You know, and there is that saying, we plan, God laughs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So who is this podcast for? This podcast is for people who aren't done yet, who aren't willing to say, cancer, you've got the upper hand on me, or disease, and you're going to get the better of me. It's for people who say, I am not done living. I'm going to get busy living. I'm not going to get busy dying, like you know, it says in the Shawshank Redemption uh, movie. We're going to get after it, and we're going to do something about it. And I'm going to have a good attitude about this. I'm going to leverage being hopeful and being helpful and even laugh at a few things. We're talking to people who say, okay, we're in a team together, and we are all about beating this thing. As we like to say here on Cancer and Comedy, we are all about kicking cancer in the butt with stories of hope and humor. And we're going to do that. By talking with people a lot like you and others through interviews and through real life experiences, including first guest here on Cancer and Comedy, and that's going to be your story that we're going to hear in the story of your cancer journey. I feel like we need trumpets sounding, right? Da, 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 da. Um, <laughs> you know, first of all, so honored to to be, you know, not only co-host with you, but to be the first interview. It It is a story that I hope when I share it, others you know, can can learn from it, can grow from it, can laugh at it, right? You know, and, and so it is something that is clearly near and dear to my heart. But again, I thank you so much for giving me this platform in is that I can share my story with. So, you know, once we do the, the interview, and, and you definitely want to stick around because we have Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day, and more importantly, our faith it or break it segment, and our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you can be a part of an upcoming episode in Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story of hope and humor in kicking cancer in the butt? Uh, you can leave a message on voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com and leave your voicemail telling your story of hope and humor. And Deb, that is one of the key values as we've created this podcast is be good listeners to folks who are dealing with the grimness, the seriousness of cancer, to listen to your, to your stories and to reflect with them. And that's why we've created our voicemail system uh, to help to hear your stories. We also have a newsletter we're putting out. You can find that at uh, newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. But it's all about listening to you. And, uh, one of the ways that we are doing that is by talking to like Deb Creer. Because we, uh, you and I got to know one another at a conference a while back that we we're both facing something serious, facing serious bouts of cancer. We understood that we are both like to laugh. We both like to have a good attitude and we both want to be helpful to other people. One of the things that you have done is you have created a website and a Facebook page, trying not to die dot live. And uh, that's one of the things you're going to be talking about in our interview together. And it's just been a real pleasure and an honor. So uh, friends of the community, or we like to call you lifter-uppers here on the Cancer and Comedy community, it's a, it's a pleasure to introduce to you our, our first guest here on Cancer and Comedy. Her name is Deb Creer from TryingNotToDie.Live. Deb, welcome to our podcast at Conversation today. Thank you so much, Brad. This is going to be so much fun. It's going to be a lot of fun because I have got to know you as a woman who, although you're dealing with some difficult stuff, you have got a marvelous smile and infectious laugh, and you got a certain level of energy, which is dynamic. 
And so let's hear a little bit about your story, and then we'll use that as kind of a foundation and context of where we're going to go in our conversation. Well, I'll do the Reader's Digest condensed version because it's it's a little complicated. So back in 2015, I was, you know, good kid, went for my annual physicals, had my mammogram, and they called now 2015. You know, I and, and so they called and they said, come back. About 30 years ago, I worked for the American Cancer Society and I worked for an oncologist. And so when the people taking a mammogram say, you got to come back, I know that doesn't sound good. Okay. Um, and so I went back redid the tests. Several days later, they called and they said, well, there's an issue, you know, and, and, but they said, don't worry. Looks like it's stage zero. You know, this is going to be something very easy to treat. And what I was diagnosed with was stage zero breast cancer with microcalcifications. So no lump, no bump, no anything like that. Uh, I discovered microcalcifications are something that many women of a certain age get as their bodies change. It's just yes. something that, that happens. And in the vast majority of women, there's no problem at all. This is just, like I said, something that happens as the hormones change in our body as we age. But every once in a while, those little microcalcifications decide that they're going to gather themselves together and cause a problem. So off I go to the, the next set of doctors. They kept saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Did a biopsy. And actually, the first biopsy was fine. The second biopsy showed we had part of an issue. So my diagnosis changed a little bit. Then we went in and actually took the lymph nodes out on the, the one side. Okay. And eight of 12 lymph nodes were positive. <sighs> so then I hopped up big on the, the staging uh, yeah. calendar or schedule. And then several months later, you know, as, as I was progressing through treatment, I happened to tell my oncologist, you know, I've got this sore rib. And so we did another test and it came back inconclusive, but then that did put me into stage four. So technically my diagnosis is stage four, triple positive breast cancer. That, does, that um, so doesn't I, sound good to be honest with you. It doesn't it does sound not, good. It does not. And, and I'll tell you, stage four is not considered curable. Okay. Now it can go into remission. It can go into remission for, you know, who knows how long, mm -hmm. uh, many, many years. And, and like I said, you know, we've, we've gone past the five year mark. So that actually is very good. It's uh, it is one of those things that is, is not considered curable. So you just kind of continue with your treatments as, as everyone kind of deems necessary. I had multiple complications. If it could go wrong, it did. <laughs> you know, it okay. was one of those things where I was like, seriously. And the doctors kept saying that too, uh, you know, and, and, and did have very serious complications. There were several times where we didn't think I was going to make it. I went, I, I had sepsis and then I got septic shock. Oh my goodness. Um, and so, you know, everything started shutting down. Doctors argued over how fast I was going to die, all sorts of things. And clearly I ignored them. I was wow. like, yeah, you, you said uh, that's not for me, right? Yeah, I know. I'm like, you, you're looking around, right? Who are they talking about? You know, obviously things have, have straightened out. I am still in treatment. I get an infusion uh, every 21 days. I go in and uh, have a, an infusion. I have a port in my shoulder. Hmm. But, you know, life goes on. And sure. that really is the whole point of this is are we going to try to die or are we going to remember to live? Yeah. Well, let me just ask you just a couple more questions to kind of set the context from the time you first positive 
inclination mm -hmm. of this. Right. Mm -hmm. So the time you found out you were, you said you were stage zero, then they mm -hmm. told you were stage four. About how mm -hmm. long a time was this? A few months, uh, a year or two? What it was, was it? Several months, uh, you know, and, and part of that was because the initial diagnosis was, was stage zero, there was not any urgency to get okay. things done. I mean, clearly the, when someone a, is diagnosed, yeah. You know, yeah that's part of what I'm getting at with case. you about how you reacted kind of emotionally annoyed. uh, uh you annoyed that's what i'm getting yeah. annoyed this and is, I just, yeah 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 i distinctly so, remember telling my doctor i'm sorry i don't have time for this yes <laughs> yeah know? yeah this but, is not not okay. in the plan this is not in the deal here yeah, so yeah. that's part of what i'm getting at because different people react to a diagnosis right. differently depending mm -hmm. on what it is right. you said you're mm -hmm. annoyed and some people mm -hmm. were in denial i when I was diagnosed with my cancer mm -hmm. a few months ago, it was and probably still am mm -hmm. at some stage of denial right. because mm -hmm. in, in my case, I've had no pain or discomfort. Right. I still feel perfectly and, fine. And in mm -hmm. your case, it sounded like that was somewhat of the case, but it progressed yeah. rather rapidly mm -hmm. and therefore your treatment level right. advanced rapidly. Mm -hmm. And then the severity. Uh, did you find you're going from annoyance to something else? Uh, some other emotional yeah. level there? There was definitely anger, um, yeah. you know, and, and at everything, me, the world, the doctors, everything, yeah. you know, and, and um, now I'm not someone who cries. If mm. I remember right, I only cried because of the diagnosis, you know, and, and not even much, uh, twice. Okay. Now, obviously there were pain and, and things like that. And so there were tears with that. But yeah, to just do the, you know, I have cancer and, and cry thing. I, I love the premise of your show because a big part of how I have gotten through everything I did is with what some would say is a warped sense of humor. <laughs> um, but it really is, you know, and, and that's not to say I have not had bad times. Sure, of course. You know, we would not be normal if we didn't. And it actually is good for you to have those emotions, you know, and, and to feel all of that. The point is that we don't stay there. But one of the things I love about what you've shared here already is you just say something that, okay, this is not okay. I'm not fine. Right. Parts mm -hmm. of this really stink. Mm -hmm. So what mm -hmm. am I going to do about it? Once you kind of got your handle around, okay, mm -hmm. I don't like this. It's not fine. It stinks. It sucks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do about it now? So what right. were some of the actions that once you kind of got a handle on this, what are some of the things mm -hmm. you started doing? What are some of the actions that you took? I think the first thing that everybody does is we start researching. We go to Dr. Google. All right. <laughs> right? And that is probably one of the worst things that we could do because, you know, especially with something like cancer. You can, you can you have information overload, can't you? At least that's Holy my experience. Cow. You can have yeah, information yeah, overload. I mean, yeah. there's, there's so much information and all that does is just scare you to death. Then you do get um, a paralysis by analysis. Yeah. You know, it's just, and there is so much information out there, good, bad, ugly, you know, all sorts of things. I learned, you know, I mentioned that I worked for the American Cancer Society. Yes. I do think they are a fabulous resource. I also relied a lot on information from the Mayo. I did research alternative things, whether it was diet, you know, all sorts of different things to make sure that when I started down the path and then, you know, continued down it, what was I looking at? And, and that's something that I tell everybody all the time is don't just say yes, doctor, and, and do what they tell you to. You yeah. know, they, they do have 
your best interests at heart. We have to remember that we're the people in charge. And so we need to, to know what's going on with our treatment. And, you know, for some, that means not having treatment or having a totally alternative treatment or mm-hmm. whatever, but it's your personal choice as long as it's been an informed choice. Yeah. Well, what I'm hearing you say is you you got to be your own advocate. And right. you, uh, Most it, research is a part of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me ask you that other people try to enter, you had your doctors and so on. They had their take on things. Mm-hmm. Did you have other people oh, who were yeah. who were trying to interject? Here's my experience. Here's this. And how was it helpful or not helpful when people came to give you their advice? It was it was always well intentioned. Yes. And I tried to really keep that in mind because some of the things that they suggested were a little out there. <laughs> you know? um, but but I always kept in mind that they were meaning well. And yes. so I would thank them very much for their concern. People sent, sent all sorts of things. Now, I did have some that had a product, whether it was a, you know, a drink, a food, or whatever that was going to cure me. Okay, probably not so much. Those people, I, again, just thanked. And, you feel like you were trying you know, to be taken advantage of in some cases? Yes. Maybe? yes. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that happens. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of at a raw emotional state. And if somebody says, I can make it better, you think, wow, okay. Um, But one of the things I also really did discover was to rely on other people, friends, associates, family, everybody. It, It became this whole big tribe of people who were helping me through this process. One of the things that, that I loved is you know, when I say, hey, I'm having a procedure, I'm going in for this, going in for that. And so everyone sends well-meaning thoughts. They send prayers, all sorts of things. And I always feel like I'm going in with like this bubble of okay. support and care around me. And you'll love this as as as, as a minister. And, and, you know, I grew up in, in the Methodist faith, a person who I didn't even think really knew I existed. It's just, you know, she's a friend of a friend, one of those things. And I got a package from her one day and it was a homemade teddy bear. And it's the cutest thing in the world. The note said, my church choir at the Methodist church that she goes to prayed over this bear before we sent it. Wow. How cool is that? That is just, you know, and, and now that bear has this very special place in my house where nothing gets near it and nothing's ever going to hurt it. It was one of those things. It was practical, to, wasn't it, as well? Yes. It wasn't It wasn't well, just an open-ended, yeah. right. what can right. I do for you? Right. It was, here, yeah. I'm doing something for yeah. you. Here That's, is this thing. You know, and, and but to know that people who... I had never met, never knew. Now, I used to be in the church choir, so that's why it even meant yeah. more. When people who didn't know me from whoever had taken the time, even just to say one healing prayer, yes. that meant so much to me. Yeah. One of the churches I served, uh, we had what we call prayer blankets, and we had a person in the church. Oh, I have two prayer blankets. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But they would actually sew it in the name of the person mm-hmm. and yes. uh, the mm-hmm. date that we prayed over mm-hmm. it at the church. Mm-hmm. So, right. and those went all around the world. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you took action then by doing your research. You took mm-hmm. action by calling upon your tribe. But I think you're a take charge woman, Deb. And I think I you, am... you, you, you're kind of an assertive mm-hmm. uh, A type personality mm-hmm. here. What did you do? What were some of the things you did in terms of medically, your your medical uh, scheme of things that you said, okay, I'm taking charge here. This is my body, my life. What am I right. doing about it? You know, one of the things that I made sure was that my medical doctors 
were the people that I wanted. Lack of a better word, fired several of them. Um, My primary care doctor, I switched. You know, I did not feel like he was giving me the treatment that I needed. I had a general surgeon who saved my life. I know he saved my life, but he and I did not get along. And and so I switched surgeons. And and then my breast cancer doctor that, that did that, my initial surgery, same thing wonderful woman, very skilled, but we just didn't see eye to eye. And so I switched doctors there too. And I think that's one of the things to to really keep in mind is some of these relationships, partnerships are long-term when you're dealing with cancer. And if you don't like and trust your doctor, then switch. And it wasn't that I didn't trust them or that they weren't good doctors because they all were. Mm -hmm. But it was just, you know, I needed to make sure that they knew that I was the one in charge. So So the the folks in our listening audience who may be thinking, Mm -hmm. okay, boy, I'm nervous about this. So you're giving permission to people to get a second opinion or to fire their Mm -hmm. doctor. And Mm -hmm. what I'm also hearing you say here, Dave, is relationships matter. Mm -hmm. Relationships yes. matter. You've talked about some of the relationships we're at regarding mm-hmm. your tribe, as you put it, mm-hmm. but your relationships among your caregivers mm-hmm. and right. your, your I, I hear you saying also it needs to be a partnership here. It's not just yes. I'm the mm-hmm. subject being worked right. upon. You can probably guess that I, you know, sometimes they will bring students to talk to me yeah. and things like this. And, and so one of the things that I always tell them is I am a person. I'm not a patient and I'm not a diagnosis. Oh, wow. That's profound right there. Yes, it is. You know, and, and because I, I, you know, I remember hearing that in the hospital. Oh, you know, that's the, the, that's the X diagnosis in room, whatever. I'm like, no, you know, I'm, I'm Deb Creer, you know, treat me like that or treat me like you want your mother, your partner, treat me like you, you would want to be treated yourself. Interesting that you say that. Just I just literally in the last week or so, I've met with my doctor. So I was diagnosed mm-hmm. with prostate cancer. And mm-hmm. and I said to the uh, radiologist who was talking to me about, okay, if I, this is a woman who's probably mm-hmm. 25 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, if I'm your father, what are you going to do? And it, mm-hmm. it was good to hear her say that. And I also yep. said another doctor, you know, who was probably mm-hmm. 35 years younger than me, right. uh, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm your father, uh, or your grandfather, what are you going to, what, what is your advice? And in mm-hmm. both cases, they were, they gave what I wanted to hear, which was a relationship oriented thing. Right. So that, that that's awesome here. So let's go for just a second here, Deb, to something you've touched on. We've talked a little bit about taking charge of your mm-hmm. advocacy, for your own advocacy. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about gathering people around you, mm-hmm. but you also talked a little bit about how you had some people praying for you and things like that. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the aspect of spirituality or connecting mm-hmm. to something higher, greater right. than self as mm-hmm. a part of this process for you. Mm-hmm. How and in, in what ways did that come into play for you? Any kind of right. a spiritual thing or a God thing or whatever it is. Let's go there for a minute. To some degree, and I'll confess, I go to church when my mom makes me go to church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But at the same point, there's, there is something that is there. I think part of it is because we do need to know we're not alone. So by knowing or feeling that there is something that it, or someone, an entity, whatever, you know, by having that faith that they're with me, that just, you know, I think that's incredible. And I, when we see people who don't have that and really feel like they're alone, then that is when they don't survive. So what do you think about those 
But when we question God, we kind of go, God, why in the heck did this thing happen? Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Or how do you deal with that that kind of thing about the give and take, the yin and the yang between the ultimate and -hmm. our present circumstances? Right. One of the things that several people have said is you're not given anything by God that you cannot deal with. God's not going to give you something that you can't deal with. Now, maybe you aren't dealing with it alone, you know, all of those various things. And and I think that is true. What we are given with, given by the higher power, by God, by your faith, by science. I mean, you know, there are some folks who, who we, you know, we, we have it in ourselves to deal with it. Sometimes we don't. I mean, you know, we just. But part of this is accessing it is somehow another. Yeah, finding that inner strength, I think, Mm -hmm. is is the thing. You know, and and like I said, for some people, the decision really is I'm not going to do this. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's. I, I have several friends over the years who have said, enough. I'm just not going to yeah. do this. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I'm, I, I live here in Atlanta. Word came out last week that uh, President Jimmy Carter had now gone into hospice care. Yes. And, you know, many of the things that people were saying was he's not giving up, but he knows that it's time to start preparing to, to move on. Yes. Now, you know, is that a week, a month, a year? Who the heck knows? Um, but, you know, I think that is, and I think that is part of it too, is knowing that there is something that's next. Yes. Well, just just to use one biblical concept here, no one knows the hour nor the day. And right. that goes whether you're we a person of faith or not. Day. You really don't. Yeah, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. you really don't mm-hmm. know whether you are, I, I know President Carter is, Mid nineties, I believe. Ninety eight. Ninety eight, <laughs> and so you know you're kind of near the end, regardless. Mm-hmm. In that right. case, however, mm-hmm. I also know I just was uh, at the church mm-hmm. I attend. We had a two year old mm-hmm. who passed away mm-hmm. after a right. three week illness, and what do you do with that? You know, there's mm-hmm. there's all kinds of dynamics here mm-hmm. that are that are going on. But I, mm-hmm. when we hear cancer in our lives, we got to find mm-hmm. a way to deal with it. Right. And one way or another, I think everybody at least thinks. It considers the ultimate, you know, when mm-hmm. they are diagnosed with, with cancer, mm-hmm. because when you hear cancer, there is there is a time mm-hmm. when that almost immediately was like a death sentence thing. And mm-hmm. I'm hearing you say you got to deal with it, but mm-hmm. you you can choose if you're going to live or not. Just right. live. I mm-hmm. love love your take about that. And so let's talk mm-hmm. about that for a minute here, Deb. I want to hear about how you process this and how you deal with this. Because you say, and you've, I've heard you say this, this is about living. I want to live mm-hmm. and I'm going to get about the business of living and not dying, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like a Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. type, type right. of thing. Mm-hmm. Get busy living or get busy, get busy dying. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How do you do that? This whole, uh, you know, you're, you're, the name of your, of your website mm-hmm. is tryingnottodie.live. So you mm-hmm. want to live. So let, let's go there. It, it came about initially with what we were saying simply because, you know, when I was in the hospital and so sick, my mom came out, you know, of course she would, you know, I'm an only child. So, you know, so she did, she came out to, to be there to, to help take care of me. You know, one of the times when I was in, in the hospital and there were times where I was in for fairly long lengths of time, some support person came in, did something for me and left. And, and she made the mother face. <laughs> and I said, what? And, and she said, you did not say thank you 
Okay. And I said, oh, for heaven's sakes, I'm trying to not die here. <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that has then carried through with, with all of this is we do get so focused on trying to not die that we forget that we have to live. Um, and we actually have an acronym. Live is, is an acronym. And, and so I'll go through it very quickly. It's Please. lead your tribe. And, and I am very much in the fact that, you know, we, we are the warriors and everyone else is our tribe that is supporting us. So you're going to lead your tribe. You're going to invigorate your soul. You're going to voice your feelings. You know okay. what? Nobody, nobody might read your mind. Um, and we're going to elevate our mindset. We're going to believe that we will indeed be fine no matter what, you know, and, and so that's where the, the live comes yeah. in. Is it, is so let's just re, to reiterate that it's yeah. lead mm-hmm. your tribe, invigorate yeah. your soul. That kind of goes yeah. to what we talked about a minute ago, you know, mm-hmm. your inner mm-hmm. life, voice your feelings. That's the emotional mm-hmm. piece right. and mm-hmm. then elevate your mind. That's the cognitive right. mm-hmm. uh, piece there. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that That's, that's awesome. You know, I, I use a similar thing in my teaching. I call it the mm-hmm. acts plan, ACTS, mm-hmm. which is to a, a is for take action. The C is mm-hmm. to connect with a higher power. The mm-hmm. T is to think, uh, mm-hmm. with with uh, your your process and the essence to serve others right. with 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 love and I love what you mm-hmm. have there because what you're talking about here is uh, get after it you know get, get busy mm-hmm. get busy right. so let's right. talk about some of those things how have you seen any of these areas the tribe mm-hmm. your soul your feelings how have you seen these things manifested either in yourself or maybe in some of the people you've been working with mm-hmm. the lead process you know, I think it's been very interesting to see who kind of rallies around to be that support system. Okay. Uh, you know, some of the, the people that I had known for many, many years dropped off the face of the earth, could not deal with it. And then others, total strangers, as I said, have said, what can we do to help? Um, you know, and, and so just having that support system. And, and one of the important things is, that we as the 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 warrior the cancer patient yes yes we have to be open to asking for help you know and and you know when we talked about the bear that was something that was very specific mm-hmm. people will say what can i do to help well you've got so many things going through your brain that you can't say i need x so i tell those who because that's one of the things that i have a lot of of uh, people contacting me about is they will say I'm the, the friend, the partner, the business associate, the wife, the husband, whatever, of, of someone who was just diagnosed. What do I do? Yes. And, and I tell them, be specific. You know, can I get your groceries today? Can I drive you to the doctor? You know, all of those things that are so very specific. Um, because then I can say yes or no. You know, and, and, or I could suggest something different. But if it's just, now, Brad. Call me if you need something. Yes. Now, it's <laughs> too I broad, am. isn't it? Yes. It's too nebulous out there. Yes. And we hmm. don't want to bother. You know, that's the thing is we don't want to be a pest. We don't want to intrude. But if somebody says, hey, can I go get your groceries today? I'm very likely going to take them up on it or at least say I'm good for now. Maybe next time. I think the pragmatic and the practical is so important here, Deb. I was just talking to someone not too long ago. We were talking about how when, in her particular case, her husband was dying of cancer and Mm -hmm. a neighbor came by, 
when was the last time you had the oil change in your car and he changed mm-hmm. the oil in her car? Yeah. A very pragmatic yeah. thing that mm-hmm. needed to be done. Mm-hmm. And we need to be specific about this. Mm-hmm. You know, when right. people, uh, it might be a meal or it might be mm-hmm. uh, child care issues, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes right. be. Uh, might we had be, people who said, can we take your dog to the vet? Yeah. Any number, mm-hmm. uh, number of mm-hmm. things. What's not helpful for people to say? Some of the times where they say, this is what happened to me. Mm. Then if they think that's the only way that it can can happen, you know, well, I went through this and I got to here. Okay. Every single diagnosis is different. Mm -hmm. You know, I I mentioned that mine is stage four triple positive, which means there are three things that I am positive for. That's actually pretty rare, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and so, you know, somebody might have breast cancer, but they're triple negative or, you know, all these various things. And, and so it's, it's okay to say, Hey, this is, is, you know, what I found. And, and sometimes some of the examples are great. You know, like I had people, um, when I had uh, surgery, I had drains, had no instructions from the doctor on what to do with these things. Wow. And so I had to rely on my friends to, to tell me what the heck I was supposed to do with these. So they were helpful. Um, Right. And, and so, you know, but again, I, I asked, I said, I have these things, (laughs) you know, what do I do with them? (laughs) Um, but it's, it is, you know, it's okay to say, Hey, when I went, I understand what you're going through because I went through it also, but then let them say, you know, ask questions, things like that. I've, I've had people, like I said, who completely try to ignore it, discuss this with other people. And we decided it's kind of like the elephant in the room. They don't know what to say. So they're not going to say anything. You, I'm assuming, have dealt with this a lot, especially with grief. Yeah, yeah. well, I think it's true. Mm-hmm. And I think we can use this experience to help people get a handle on what mm-hmm. to do. Right. For instance, when somebody says something like, and then like everything happens for a reason, I just want to punch somebody. I just, I just want to punch you. I, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the reason is bull, you know, is bull here because that's that does that's not helpful, you know, or or they say something like uh, you know, hey, you know, someone over here had cancer and they got over it in 3 months. Right. What's the uh, problem? Yeah. What's wrong with you, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So, and along that same line, what role if any does pity play in this whole scenario? We have self-pity. You know what? I have a pity party. I have, you know, and, and, and it's like feeling all those other emotions. You know, we're going to feel those. I've had 30 some surgical procedures. I have more scars than, Mm. you know, than, than we know what to do with. Now, I also know those scars are kind of my battle wounds and Mm -hmm. they have what saved my life. If I look in the mirror, it is not a pretty picture. We're going to have pity for ourselves, feel bad for ourselves because our lives have changed. Even when it's been a good outcome, there are still, you're gonna worry forever. It's, you're gonna think, oh, what's that? Oh, you know, you're, you're always gonna worry it's coming back. There may actually be very big physical and obviously mental changes that you go through. It's okay to feel bad about that and feel annoyed and all those other emotions. But yeah, you know, I have pity parties. I tell you, I have a pity party and then about that point, I'll see, you know, like a, a commercial on TV for St. Jude's and I'll see, you know, child with cancer. I'm like, okay, no, no, I have nothing to complain about. <laughs> you think maybe there's a little bit of a difference or a nuance between having pity or, mm-hmm. or being pitiful. Do you think there's a, there there's a yeah. distinction there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, because pity is kind of the OG, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. when you're pitiful, 
and and yeah there are times where i've been a little pitiful too yeah um well but yeah that's, it that's is, to be understood but uh, if we stay there i think that's what we're talking about right. here and what i want to and where i want to go with you now is just what do we do next what is our mm-hmm. next part of the process here because you talk about collaboration communication mm-hmm. and honesty right. so how can we how can somebody listening in our, our audience here today how can what you share here be a part of a process mm-hmm. to help them move things with collaboration mm-hmm. And communication. You are a communication expert in your career. You are a LinkedIn expert. You are a person who helps businesses grow and thrive. And we could have a whole other podcast about that because you've got you got it going on, Deb. I know that you do. But let's apply some of those principles, Mm -hmm. some of that marketing gene you got Mm -hmm. and the communication place to helping people here get get through this. What collaboration communication? Yeah. You know, collaboration is about building that team. You know, Mm -hmm. making sure that you've got the right people around you. And that changes, you know, when you're fresh out of the hospital, you might need one group of people. When you're doing something else, you need a different group of people, you know, all of those various things. And, and, you know, you could have some overlap, but it's, it's about getting your team together at, at the points in time when you need it. Honesty really is, is the biggest thing, you know, people, we, you know, I mentioned it, people don't read our minds. They can't, you know, and, and, and you said it a little bit earlier. One of the things that people say was, well, you know, we'll go, so, Hey, Brad, whether it's friend, doctor, whoever, Hey, Brad, how are you doing today? Yeah. Out of your mouth comes. I'm fine. Yes. <laughs> you could be it's automatic. To, it's automatic. Right, right. Yeah. You could be ready to die. You could be ready to run a marathon, but we're going to say, I'm fine. Yeah. Stop that. <laughs> you know? If you're fine, say it in a way that, it shows people you really are. I tell people I'm hunky dory. And so I told somebody that today and he said, Oh, my grandma used to say that. And I thought, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, if in, and if you're not feeling fine, it's okay to say, you know what? I'm tired today. I'm cranky today. I hurt today. All of those various things. Another friend asked me, she said, what do we do when people are there too much and you just need space? So the honesty might be saying, I need space. One of the reasons I really want to talk to you is because of your energy and your smile and your laugh and what you bring to bear. You don't act like a person who's ready to die. You don't act that way. Hopefully not. Good. That's good. But what are some uh, pleasurable surprises or things that put a smile on your face or made you laugh? Or what are some of the kind of the... uh, the, the joyful moments that have come out of this intense experience, because it's an intense experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to the comedy part of our podcast mm-hmm. here now. What are some things that have been life-changing for you in some positive ways that way? Well, you really do have to have a sense of humor. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're, things are really ugly, nasty. Um, you know, one of the times when I was going in for surgery, I was exactly like I am right now. I was just jibber-jabbering along to the, the doctors and everybody who was there. And I heard, you know, and, and I was joking and I, I, you know, telling funny things. And, and I heard the nurses say, oh, dear, she must be so nervous. <laughs> and I said, a little bit, but I have faith that y'all know what you're doing. And I said, but more importantly, if I can make you laugh before we start all of this, isn't that better? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that's been part of it, too, is and. I mentioned I worked for the American Cancer Society, but I I did work for an oncologist and absolutely wonderful man. Um, And the stress that we we forget what it's like to be in their shoes. You know, they're dealing with life and death over 
and over and over again. So can I make them laugh? Can I yes. make them feel a little bit better and things like that? But you have to have fun with it. You know, they, they always, you know, now what's your name and your date of birth? And I will look at them and I will smile sweetly and I will say, Anastasia Beaverhausen. <laughs> and now oh it's her again yes, yeah um you know and and but yeah you know what can we do to to brighten up everybody's day you know when what? i'm in infusion room i ask other people can i can i bring you something you know luckily covid has has relaxed a bit can do that but yeah what what can we do to help others go through all of this one of the things I've done from time to time, and you know, my wife accused me of having the spiritual gift of annoyance, which I'm mm -hmm. pretty good at. I'm good at annoying people. But anyhow, when somebody, when a nurse or somebody's getting ready to give you, you know, uh, an IV or something, mm -hmm. you know, they're saying, oh, this will just be a little pinprick here. And I say, please, please give me as much pain as possible. That's what I'm looking forward <laughs> no. to today. You know, yeah. dig, dig I in there. I wine. I'm yeah. like, you know, oh, there you go. In that bag, I won't yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah, do, do, do that. <laughs> uh, get put a smile on people's face because there is actually, and I, I want to find out more about this, but there's actually research that shows that mm -hmm. that laughter and stress reduction does help oh, in the healing oh, so process, much, or mm -hmm. even in when you're having surgery mm -hmm. or whatever. And the, even doctors mm -hmm. who are a little more lighthearted, mm -hmm. or who are singing mm -hmm. or other things mm -hmm. like that during surgery, there's research right. along along that and line. It doesn't mean. That you're not taking it seriously. Of course. Not. You know, and, and I think that's the important thing is to, to realize, you know, everybody still knows just how important it is, but why not have a giggle or two? Yeah. Well, you, you and I are in the similar uh, age category here, Deb. Do you remember the show MASH? The TV yes. show MASH? I remember. And they said they, they could cry or they could laugh. That's right. That's the comedy and the tragedy, mm -hmm. kind of the drama of mm -hmm. life is wrapped up in those mm -hmm. things. Well, Deb, let's talk for a moment here now about what you offer. You know, mm -hmm. you have a website, you have mm -hmm. uh, talks that you give, you have resources. Mm -hmm. uh, there's people out there who need what mm -hmm. you have to offer. Uh, let's talk about your, just share a little bit of what you have You're on your website, your Facebook mm -hmm. uh, uh, group, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. How can right. you be helpful to people who need well, help right now? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, you know, it, it really is just it's so meaningful to me. And I wanted to thank you for that. Um, again, the website is www.tryingnottodie.live, not.com, dot live. And you'll find everything there. We've got resources. So some are, are links to, you know, places to get research, uh, you know, all sorts of things we do, you know, you, you, we're, we're pragmatic on this. We do have some products that we sell, but they're fun. They're, you know, little teddy bears and t-shirts and, and things like that. So things that you might want to buy for someone else who's going through this, but more importantly, it is about building that community. So you'll find links on the website to uh, our Facebook group. It is a private group, which means I have to approve you to be in it, but that's only because we didn't want the people who would be in there spamming folks. Of course. Um, and so, yeah, so we just do that, all sorts of things. And I always ask folks, give suggestions to us. You know, we're, we're not all inclusive. So if there's something that we can do and that we need to add, uh, you know, one of the, the people that I uh, was talking to, um, you know, obviously my focus is breast cancer just because that's what I had, sure. but he was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm -hmm. And so he said, would I mind putting a link to the leukemia society on our website? And of course I was more than happy to do that because it is the, it is a wonderful organization with so much great information. You know, our, our goal is to, to be providing 
information that helps people to get through this. And we'll put links to all of that on our website, uh, cancerandcomedy.com. One more thing. Let's hear a story, Deb, about someone in your life who you've had some influence on. One of the things I love to hear is you're giving back by your resources. You've got talks you give. You've got all kinds of things that you do. Let's hear kind of a testimony or a story where someone you've had some influence on has had an aha moment or kind of a a bit of a transformational moment. You know, it's, it's been the people who have contacted me and said, I got this diagnosis. What do I do? And more than anything, I want them to know that I'm there for them. Um, you know, and, and if it's not me, they need to reach out to whoever, whether it's a pastor, whether it's family, friends, all of those people. And when they know that they're not alone, I think that has been the biggest thing. I had someone uh, just last week, uh, she had contacted me several months ago and, and all she did was send me the image of her biopsy. Yeah. I didn't even know anything was going on. Oh and I get this graphic of it and I was, and now, I am not one of those people that goes, oh, you'll be okay. Hmm. I'm one of those people that says words that I can't say to a minister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could say it, but we just prefer not to put them yeah, on the podcast. We yeah, we can't do that. So yeah. I say, oh, gosh, gosh darn fooey, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I last week I contacted her and I said, you know, just wanting to follow up and how are you doing? And she said, I'm, I'm actually doing good. But she said, you have no idea what it meant to me to know that you were still thinking about me. Mm, that's awesome. And that that's was awesome. it right there. It took and me that, And those are the type seconds. of moments, that's the type of moments mm-hmm. that you think, that's why I'm doing this. So right. you found, it's so easy for anyone to do it. Yeah. And you found a bit of your purpose and your calling here, haven't mm-hmm. you? That's I awesome. have. You know, yeah. it is definitely my purpose. Now, I kind of got drug kicking and screaming into it. I didn't want to be a girl. <laughs> yeah. But, you didn't. Um, but, but yeah, people kept telling me, you know, I didn't go through what I went through without using it to help others. You are bright bit of sunshine in a world that sometimes can be a little bit uh, dark and it's appreciated very much. Mm-hmm. I'll just say from my perspective, I appreciate your energy and your light that you bring and your smile and your energy your, and, uh, you know, bringing some good stuff here. Uh, so I appreciate you. appreciate you. Her name is Deb. Her name is Deb Cryer. And her website is tryingnottodie.live. I commend her to you. And we thank you for being our guest today, Deb, on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast. Deb, I just want to thank you uh, for sharing your story. You were very personal and vulnerable. You're funny and you, uh, you get, you know, give lots of great stories that are hopeful to people. And I just want to thank you for sharing your story here on this uh, first interview segment here on Cancer and Comedy. And uh, what do you hope that our listeners here get out of hearing your story of? Well, I think, you know, obviously we, we talk about the importance of humor. And I think that is just very critical in this. Maybe it's that you sit down and you watch a marathon of I Love Lucy or something like that, something just to make your brain have those healing laughter moments. And that's really what we want to look at. But I also want to remind people, you are not in this alone. You need to build your tribe of supporters who really want to help you through this process, but aren't quite sure how. So, you know, bring them in, let them help heal you and be your support system, because it is so important to, as I said, to understand you are not alone in this journey and hearing the stories from other people, bonding with them, you know, everything like that. It really is just so important because 
we aren't an island and we have to have everyone around us to help us get through this process. Well said, well said. And building that community, as you just said, Deb, is such a part of our values here at Cancer and Comedy. We want you to connect up on the voicemail system here, voicemail at cancerandcomedy.com and our and our newsletter, newsletter at dotcancerandcomedy.com to be part of the community. Well, now it's time for something really fun. It's time for our Cancer and Comedy segment, Dr. Brad's Bad Joke of the Day. Oh, well, you told some great stories, or Deb, about some things that happened to you, but... Uh, you know, there are stories and there are afflictions that do happen to us in some different ways uh, that impacts our health and our vitality. For instance, I once had an affliction that some of you may be familiar with. You see, tragically, there was a time when I indeed did have the hokey pokey, but... I turned myself around. Oh my gosh, Brad, how did you do that? Deb, believe it or not, I just put my right foot in. Then did you take your right foot out? I did, I took my right foot out and I shook it all about. (laughs) And you know, Deb, that's what it's all about. So true, so true. And that, folks, was Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. But now it's time to shift gears a bit for Dr. Brad's faith it or break it segment. Faith it or break it. I like to call this segment faith it or break it because I believe if you're going to have hope and healing in your life, part of that story is a hope story. And I my doctor, I'm a doctor, but I'm a doctor of ministry. So that is, I'm a retired pastor. So I come from a faith background. And I share that with you because every time we get together, I'm going to be sharing a story that you may want to opt into, you may want to opt out of, but it'd be a story about hope based on faith. Because one of the things that can break us is if we do, if we allow the disease, cancer, other things, to take us down. So what are some methods or what are some processes that could be helpful to give us a word of hope? One of the places I turn to is the Bible. And one of the great places I turn to for wisdom is the book of Proverbs. So let me share this one book of Proverbs and I'm going to share a short story with you. One proverb and then I share a short story with you here in our Faith at a Break It segment. It's from Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. It goes like this. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Reminds me of a, of an occurrence that happened to me uh, some years ago in my ministry. I was serving in a very small town, a very small community, and I was the volunteer chaplain at the local hospital, a very small hospital. And I got called in uh, one night, relatively late, late at night, 10, 11 o'clock at night, to come and be with someone who needed a chaplain. And I was the on-call chaplain. I went in there, and it turned out there was this man who was suffering from lung cancer, and he was in bad shape. He was basically in the final stages of lung cancer, could barely breathe, could barely talk. But it was so evident that he was absolutely scared to death. He was locked in fear about what would come next. 
He was fearful of dying. He was literally fearful about going to hell. So we talked and we prayed. I actually baptized him with a styrofoam cup right there, there in the in the hospital. Perhaps gave him some comfort. I'm not sure that it did. But the point I wanted to make is that he was in the late stages of life with lung cancer and he was scared. He was living in fear. He was a dried up mess, just kind of like the proverb says, you know, crushed spirit uh, dries up the bones. His spirit was crushed. Not too much longer after that, a week or so later, I got a call to go to the home of one of the members of the church, a woman. And uh, as I went to the home, there was a lot of family there. And she had uh, uh, emphysema, a really bad form of emphysema, another lung condition, could barely breathe. But her countenance was so much different than the guy I saw in the hospital. She had family around, and she had a smile on her face. She was laughing, even though it hurt her to laugh. And she was talking about uh, family stories and talking about the people around her family gathering, talking about meals to prepare and things like this. It was not too far from the holiday time. And she was uh, embracing the moment, even though she knew her time on this earth was close by. She talked and we talked a little bit what's about what's next. And she was in a mood of faithfulness about whatever comes next in her health. Or if she did pass away, she felt like she was going to be in the arms of Jesus and was going to be in a good place. She had a cheerful countenance and was in a much better place. Now, wherever you're at in your faith life, I don't know, but I'm here to share with you that I know from my perspective, it's a much better place to have an approach of cheerfulness. And as it says in the Proverbs, that's good medicine as approach to being in a place of your spirit being crushed. And so this theme, this verse of scripture is very helpful and it really is, is really a, a kind of thematic for what Deb and I want to do here on the cancer and comedy, you know, the cancer part really talks about the, you know, the, the, the dread and the grimness of cancer. You know, it seems like it's a crushed spirit time. I know my spirit was crushed when I first heard about it. But the opposite of that, the comedy isn't always just the, you know, the giggles and the ha-has. It is about a, an attitude that is one of cheerfulness and about opportunities and about seeing possibilities moving forward. And my hope and prayer and the word of faith over breaking is to move forward with a cheerful spirit, a cheerful heart, indeed, because that is good medicine. And one of the ways we like to share that here on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast is through our Listener Lifter segment. This is where you participate in the Cancer and Comedy uh, Podcast. By calling in, let us know. Give us a short uh, message, a couple minutes, no more than five minutes or so, about your uplifting story, about how you are kicking cancer in the butt with your story of health or humor. And that's what we want to hear. You're going to hear a great story here uh, today, but you can be a part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy. You just go to voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com. Leave your message. And who knows, maybe we'll hear your voice as one of our listener lifter-uppers here on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast in an upcoming segment. Our lifter-upper for the day is Edward. 
who is a cancer survivor. For me, where I'm at right now, in hindsight, cancer is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Even though it was a huge, insurmountable mountain to climb. But um, I just made a TikTok the other week about how everything's connected. And cancer is kind of like the the catalyst for me, for everything that has happened in my life that is good since then. And that includes the friends I have, my relationship with my family, the career I've had, the multiple books I've had, the book, everything that's going on with my book. Like none of that would have happened if it weren't for cancer. And Lord knows where I would be right now. Thanks to Edward Miskey, our lifter upper for today for sharing a bit of his story. You can hear more of his story in an upcoming interview here on CancerAndComedy.com. Well, Lifter Uppers, this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. You know, we like to call folks like you who follow Cancer and Comedy Lifter Uppers, or Lifters for short, because Cancer and Comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt with healing through hope and humor. As we've said, you can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com. And you can keep up with everything Cancer and Comedy through our Cancer and Comedy Chronicles newsletter at newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. That's it for now. Please join us next time on Cancer and Comedy. And if you like what you hear, Please pass the podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin. For Dr. Brad Miller, I'm Deb Creer, reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com, where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.